Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. sermon lesson this morning comes from the very first book in the Bible, from the Old Testament. We're looking at Genesis chapter 8. Here in Genesis chapter 8, we have the very tail end of the famous flood account, and this is Noah and his family leaving the ark. Genesis chapter 8. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on the land came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures, as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. The word of the Lord Thanks be to God. Noah built an... Now, we don't normally do this. We don't normally start our sermons out right away with a fill-in-the-blank. In fact, I don't think we've ever started our sermon out with a first fill-in-the-blank, but we're doing so this morning, and as many of you did, if you guessed Ark, one could hardly blame you. After all, this is what Noah is known for. As little kids, we sing lots and lots of songs about it. Perhaps one of our very first Bibles had an illustrated picture that walked through all the ways that Noah built an ark. But if you filled in the blank ahead of time, you were working ahead and you thought, oh, I know this one piece of cake, Noah built an ark. Well, this Sunday, you're wrong. I mean, you're right. Noah did build an ark. But here's the answer to your first fill in the blank. Noah built an altar. Did you know that? Did you know that Noah was the very first person in all of scripture and possibly in all of history where it's recorded that they built an altar to the Lord? Noah built an altar to give thanks to the Lord. And perhaps that's obvious So what we're going to do today is is look at that very first altar that Noah built, Noah's altar, ask the question, why? Why why is it that, that Noah gave thanks and built an altar to the Lord? 
As I mentioned, we're in the third week of our sermon series called Lord, Increase Our Faith. Over the past two weeks, what we've done is we've defined faith as a gift from God. It is something God gives us, and it's something that has an object. It's, it's rooted in Christ. That's the foundation of our faith. And we ask, what does it mean when we say, Lord, increase our faith? Well, what we mean is that we are asking God to increase our faith, not that we don't have any in Jesus or that some have a greater and some have a lesser faith in Jesus. No, what we're talking about is, Lord, we trust in you. We believe in you. Christ is the foundation of our faith, but we're asking, Lord, increase our faith as it's applied certain promises of your word. Increase our faith as it's applied in different areas of our life. Last week, we said, Lord, increase our faith. Faith for forgiveness as we apply your promises of forgiveness. And this week, we're applying God's promise, promises, as it's applied to gratitude, as it's applied to thankfulness. We're asking, Lord, increase our faithfulness for thankfulness. What does God's promise say about this? Well, we read it before in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The Apostle Paul said this. He said, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thankfulness to God. This is God's promise to you. It is, as we described it, a cycle, if you will, of thankfulness. Think about it in this way. Every good and perfect gift comes from the hand of God. He gives it to you. And the analogy that Paul is using is, well, describing it as seeds. Seeds, gifts, things that God gives you that well, we don't just put in our pocket, but instead that that we plant and we reap a harvest of it because the good things and the thankfulness that we give for those good things to God, well, it doesn't just sit in the ground. God not only gives you seed, he also produces a harvest of righteousness. He produces the message of the gospel working in the hearts of others who do what? They also give thanks. Give thanks to God for all of his blessings. And what does God keep on doing? Well, he keeps blessing God's people who then take the blessings that God's people give and you get the point. It is a cycle of, of thankfulness that God has promised to us and, and that's what we're asking today. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith in this area of our life. And we're asking for that increase because there is a factor, if you will, well, that really affects the intensity or even the presence of thankfulness in our life. We'll call it the deservedness factor. What is this? Well, let me give you an example of how the de deservedness factor impacts the intensity of our thankfulness. 
tell you a story. Not this last July, but two Julys ago, I was talking to my neighbor and he was telling me all about this wonderful vacation that he was going to take to Wisconsin. And because I grew up in Wisconsin, he was very interested in telling me all about his schedule and how he's leaving tomorrow. And so when I walked outside two days from talking to my neighbor and I saw a huge package sitting on his front doorstep, about the size of his front door, and I looked at the package that looked like a ceiling fan. I knew because he told me that he'd be gone for 10 days, that if this package set outside for 10 days in the July weather in Virginia, they would rain and be ruined. So I took a picture and I texted my neighbor and I said, hey, would you like me to take this and put it in my garage while you're gone. I said, oh, would you, would you please do that? So I did. I walked over to his house and I picked it up and I realized it was way heavier than I thought it was, but I, I managed to get it back to my garage without breaking it or dropping it or anything like that. And then 10 days later, my friend came back from vacation and he came over to my house and he said, hey, can you help me bring this fan into my house? I said, sure, no problem. And that's when my friend gave me a gift. He pulled out a, a craft beer that he got in Wisconsin that he knew that I would appreciate. And he said, Matt, thank you so much for what you did. Thank you for taking my fan inside so that it didn't get ruined. And you want to know what I said to him? Thank you. I said, thank you for the gift that you gave me. But can I tell you what I was thinking? I kind of deserve this. I mean, that was really heavy. That was a lot of work. That was sitting in my garage for a week and a half, this huge package. That's the deservedness factor, okay? This is what we might call, um, I'm thankful, but hey, I'm deserving. And you guys laughed at me, but you do this all the time. You think of maybe favors that you do for your friends or for your spouse or your family, and they probably express appreciation for you. You do a good job at work, someone expresses appreciation, and you say thanks for the compliment, but you know, you killed it. And so you're thankful, but you're pretty deserving of, of what you've received, right? It's the deservedness factor. Now apply this deservedness factor to your relationship with God. Apply it not only to your relationship with God, but also how it affects your thankfulness to God. What does God owe you? How deserving are you of God's blessings? Because it will. It will affect the intensity or even the presence of your thankfulness to him. Let's think about Noah. Noah <clears throat> built an ark to the Lord. And you think about Noah, right? Noah spent a whole year, year plus, in the ark. He gets out of the ark after it lands and he looks and he surveys everything. I should probably back up. He looks and he surveys everything and he thinks to himself, you know what? Ha, I built that ark. I built that ark and I built it to the T. God gave me very specific directions back in Genesis 6 about how this ark was to look and I did it. Thanks, God. Thanks, God, for bringing me through that. Noah steps out after 375 days in the ark, and he thinks, wow, God brought me and all these animals through, and oh, 
Yeah, I took care of all these animals. All these animals. All the animals. I fed them. I cared for them. I cleaned after, after them on a boat for over a year. Huh. God, thanks. Thanks for bringing me through this. No steps out of the ark. He thinks, Lord, thank you. Thanks for bringing me and my family through this ark. And you know what? After all, we're, we're the only ones who listened to you. The only eight in the whole world that actually walked with you, listened to your word, and obeyed you. Thanks, Lord. You guys are looking at me and smiling because it seems ridiculous, right? That, that Noah would, would think that way. And is that really what motivated his thankfulness to God? But how often don't we do the same? You think, Lord, <laughs> thank you <laughs> for my family and this spouse. And, and what? Well, well, yeah, I do. I, I take such good care of them and I'm so faithful to them. You deserve, I deserve this. You say, Lord, thank you so much for all of the, all the daily needs that you provide for me. House, clothes, food. But yeah, I, I work pretty hard, don't I? <laughs> I deserve this. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your forgiveness and the blessing of a Christian community in my life. I do go to church every Sunday. I'm there. I give offerings you know, I'm reaping the benefits of this. It's, it's the deservedness factor. And you think about this, it, seem, it seems ridiculous that we do it for good things, but maybe we even do it more so for bad things. You could maybe even picture Noah doing it. Noah gets out of the ark and he says, Lord, thank you. Thanks for bringing me through this after I had to watch the entire human race drown. I deserve it. Lord, thank you for, for bringing me through this. You really put me through a lot as I had to listen to my whole community shout and plead to let me in. I, I do deserve this after what you put me through, Lord. Lord, I deserve this. Look, I come out of the ark and literally my entire life is changed. Everyone I loved is gone. My home, it's gone. Kept me alive, Lord, but thanks, I deserve this. Do we do the same? We go through a, a trying season in life and we say, Lord, this is tough. And you know that I love you and I know that you love me, but why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you fixing this? You find yourself living paycheck to paycheck and you say, Lord, I have given my offerings to you. I've put my first fruits first. Why this? I deserve this. It's the deservedness factor, and it affects our relationship to God. It, it affects the way that, well, we give thanks to him, if at all. Ask yourself, are you deserving of God's blessings? How, how deserving of God's blessings do you think that you are? Because it affects not only if we give thanks, but well, the intensity of our thankfulness to God. Noah, he, he didn't give thanks that way. Noah built an ark to the Lord. And Noah built an ark to the Lord, and we're asking the question, why? Why did he do it? Well, he did it because there was something that got on the ark with Noah 
besides his family members. There's something that got on the ark with Noah besides all of the animals that the Lord commanded that he take. Noah knew full well that even though God drowned the world and, and got rid of evil people, that well, what got on the ark was evilness in him. Just read the very next chapter that we'll look at in this Bible. You know, Noah said to, God said to him that uh, he was giving him this sign, this covenant that he was never going to destroy the earth again. What does he do three verses later? Noah sins. Noah sins, gets drunk, and you say, whoa, 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 that's, that's Noah. Well, Noah wasn't a perfect man. We know Noah was a righteous man. That means that he was declared righteous and innocent in God's eyes because of his faith, because he walked with God, not because he was perfect in and of himself. And Noah knew that. Noah knew that what God said before the flood in Genesis chapter 6 about the inclination of every single person's heart was also true about him. It was true about you. We don't deserve anything from God. What we do deserve from God is to be destroyed because of our sin, to be drowned just like all those others who were drowned for their own wickedness. Here's the truth. It's that our deservedness kills not only our thankfulness to God. That is true enough. When we think that we deserve something from God, that it's going to affect the way that we give thanks to God. But even worse, our deservedness, well, it affects our faithfulness as well. And that's what makes this so dangerous, such a dangerous factor, a dangerous sin that lives in our hearts. But here's the amazing thing about what God said before the flood and after the flood. Before the flood, we read Genesis chapter 6, that the entire human race, every person, only evil, all the time lived in their hearts. You want to know what he said after the flood? He said the exact same thing. This is from our text today. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never, never again will I curse the ground because of the humans. Even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all the living creatures as I have done. Do you hear what God is saying? God is saying, I am withholding my judgment. I am holding my anger. I am withholding my wrath on all human people, even though they deserve it. What they deserve is to get me to punish them just like I had done. But I'm going to withhold it. In other words, God's giving mercy. What better definition is there for mercy than not God not giving us what we do deserve? Oftentimes we have this deservedness factor so backwards. We think, I wish God would just give me what I deserve. And yet we're mistaken all along that what we deserve well, is this, is his punishment. And yet what he gives us is what we do not deserve. And so in a way, yeah, it is the deservedness factor that, that has the biggest impact on our thankfulness. It's this, it's, it's humbly realizing that we don't 
deserve anything from God. In fact, it's God's undeservedness that increases our thankfulness. It increases our faithfulness. It is God's undeservedness, giving to us his mercy, that which we do not deserve, the ability to have a right relationship with him, the ability to see him, to pray to him. That is completely gifts of his mercy. And what that does, well, that kicks off that, well, thankfulness cycle. It's the blessings of his hands. It's the seeds that he gives us, the good things that he's given us in his life. And he says, plant those. And and by planting those, what you'll see is you will reap a harvest of righteousness. And more praise is given because of him. We're asking the question, what led Noah to build an ark? Ah, I said it. (laughs) To build an altar? It was realizing that he deserves nothing. But it was also realizing that undeservedly, he gets, we get everything from him. You know the other reason that Noah built an altar? It was because God was not only saving him from the flood, but God was saving you and I through the flood. Step back and and think about this. God was not only saying Noah and all the human race, you and I, from the flood. He was saving us through the flood. Do you know why God sent the flood? It's because every every inclination of human was evil. We knew that. And and what we read back in Genesis 6 is that, that evil was causing people to turn on themselves in a way that they were destroying themselves. And Jesus looked at the creation, the crown of his creation, the people that he had made, and realized, if this goes on this way, there's not going to be people left for me to send my Savior through this race to save them. So he hit reset. He started over, and he did it so that he could preserve the promise, the biggest promise of it all, the promise to send his Savior. That is what we don't deserve. That's what we get. What we read in 1 Peter chapter 3 is this, that Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. And this water, the flood, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from your bodies, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God was rescuing all of humankind, you and me, not just from the flood, but through the flood. What he was doing was not just drowning out all of sin, but he was lifting us up with that water. What he was doing with that water, which symbolizes baptism, was hitting reset in us. He was wiping our consciences clear of all of our sins. So what now? Now, completely undeserved. Well, God increases our faithfulness and our thankfulness to him through this indescribable gift. We learned some things about Noah's Noah's gift. We read it before. Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and all the birds, 
he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. What do we learn about Noah's gifts and, well, our gifts to God? Is that God's undeserved love not only increases our thankfulness, but it increases it and, and completely transforms it into generous thankfulness. What, God, what Noah did when he stepped out of the ark is, is none of those fictitious things that I demonstrated before. What, what, what Noah did was completely offer up sacrifices to God. Think about this. He stepped out of the ark and he took the animals that he had. Actually, he took like 20% of the animals that were reserved for sacrifices and he at once sacrificed all the clean some of all the clean animals and clean birds. He didn't step out and go, oh boy, <laughs> I don't know if there's any going to be any more animals after this, if God will provide. No, trusting in God's promises with increased faithfulness because of God's promises, he led them to generous thankfulness to God. He offered up many of the animals that he had and not just like, well, I'm gonna offer them up and kind of roast them so that my family has something to eat when they're roasted. No, he offered up what's called a burnt offering or a whole burnt offering. He completely and utterly gave these things up to God without any question, without any concern for his well-being. No, he just trusted God's promises that he provided through the flood and he'll provide after the flood. I don't know about you, but so often when I, when I hear that story from our gospel lesson today, the story of the, the 10 lepers, I really identify with the nine. We know God's blessings in our life and maybe we become entitled to them, or maybe not that extreme. We just take them for granted. And so we, we're like the nine. We're, we're overwhelmed by the gifts of God, gifts from God, but we forget to give thanks to God. Noah did nothing like that. And it's a lesson for us as we step back and we look at all of the undeserved mercy that God gives to us. He doesn't require us to go and, and offer up animals as sacrifices anymore. What God calls us to is, in Romans chapter 12 is this, is to offer our bodies, our entire lives as living sacrifices to God. Romans chapter 12 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Noah built an altar. God doesn't call you to build an altar. But what he does call us to do is, is to step back and look at all that God has given to us, the undeservedness, and look at how in that he increases our faithfulness, he increases our thankfulness to him and offer up not just parts of our life, but our entire bodies as living sacrifices to him. So often we compartmentalize our thankfulness. We think, you know what, I, I give thanks for an hour on Sunday or I give thanks maybe as a part of that hour or when I set up my online giving to God then. Or maybe I give thanks to God when I, when I just do my service to God. We compartmentalize our thankfulness to God, but what God calls us to is, is offering up generous thankfulness our entire lives to him. That's what Noah did and, and that's what Mike did. You guys you guys know Mike. Mike Myers is our church president. And 
A part of his job as a church president is to make sure that all the goings on in our ministry are aligned and that this church is staying true to God's word and to its mission. And part of my job with working to Mike, I think sometimes, is to make sure that Mike doesn't do more than that because he wants to. Mike isn't perfect, and he would be the first to tell you that. But he is someone who walks with God. I say that my job is to working with Mike to make sure he doesn't do too much is because Mike likes to serve his Lord. He likes to do it by coming and working on a setup team. He likes to do it by leading a small group. And sometimes I'll tell Mike, Mike, should you really take that on? But this last week, I, I had an opportunity to do that, and I just didn't. This past week, we had a, a leadership meeting, and after the leadership meeting, I, I had to call up Mike, and, and I had to ask him a question about something I, I forgot. And I asked him after that in the, if he had any reactions or thoughts about our meeting yesterday, and he said, yeah, I, I do have one. He, he remarked on the Bible study that we had, a Bible study that, that talked about how God has not just given us his gifts and his mercy, but he has entrusted his gifts, and his mercy to us. In other words, he has said, these are, these are my good things. These are my seeds that I'm giving you, not to just do whatever you want with, but I'm, I'm giving them to you so that you plant them and that you produce a harvest of righteousness. And Mike said, Matt, I was thinking about that, and I think about how I you know, give my hands to God, and I, I like to serve and serve on a setup team or, or help out with events. I was thinking about how I, I give my lips to God and how I go and I worship him in that way. I was thinking about how I give my thank offerings to him and I give him my financial gifts. I was thinking about how I give my time to him and I set aside Monday nights for studying God's word, Sundays for him. But you know what? I, I thought I never really set aside my, my mind and all of my gifts for God. And he's entrusted so much to us. So he said, Matt, you know what I'm doing? I'm setting aside Tuesday nights, Tuesday nights that no one will ever see to just work on things for the church. I wanted to tell Mike, Mike, do you really think you should set aside another night for that? But I didn't. I said, thank you. What happened was <laughs> God's gifts to Mike resulted in thanksgiving from Mike which produced a harvest of righteousness. And in, in that moment in his pastor, who just said thanks to God for this indescribable gift, for your undeservedness, your, your mercy that you give us that just overflows in, in more and more thanksgiving to God. Mike's sacrifice, pretty great, but it's not the best sacrifice. Noah's sacrifice, also really great, but it's not the best one. The best one is the one that God has given to us that, that makes it all possible. You guys know how the story of Noah's Ark, and now maybe you'll think of Noah's altar ends, don't you? God gives a promise, right? He gives a promise by putting a, a rainbow up in the clouds. As I was studying our, our sermon lesson for today a couple weeks ago, a rainbow appeared that evening in Fredericksburg, and I got to take a picture of it. And then, I, and then I read something about rainbows that I, I had never really thought of before or didn't remember. That in the Old Testament, in Hebrew, in that language in Genesis, 
They're not called rainbows. Now, that's the English word that we give them. It's just called a bow. That God set his bow in the sky as a promise, as a covenant, a one-sided promise that he's not going to take his anger against sin out on us anymore. I read a really compelling illustration of what a warrior does with his bow when he's done with battle. He hangs it up on the wall. And you think about the way that bow is hung on the wall of God's sky, that the, that the bow is no longer pointing out at us. It's not even pointing down at us, threatening. You better watch out. You better not get too bad. No, the bow is pointing in one direction. It's pointing at his son, who's seated with him at the right hand of God the Father. And we see there, there, that is where God took his wrath, took his anger. And while he did not ever destroy the world again, he did destroy his only son. And, and in so doing, he, he destroyed all of wickedness and sin in them. That's what the promise of the rainbow reminds us. The undeservedness that God has given to us. The forgiveness that God has given us in his son. Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith for thanks in you for that. Amen.